First reading is Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24 on page 1022 from the Bibles in the foyer. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So he was fulfilled so he so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Continuing on at verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burn in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net 
that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. G'day everyone, uh, I'm James Brooks, one of the ministry team here and uh, we'll be looking at that passage uh, today. Do keep your Bible open, uh, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I don't have, we're going to look at various verses and I don't have them on the screen today, uh, so it's good practice for you to keep your Bible open. Uh, there's also an outline uh, that hopefully you would have got on the way in as well uh, with a bit of an idea of where we're headed. Uh, you might like to take notes on there or uh, whatever's helpful for you. Well, um, timing and how much time we have changes the way that we see things, doesn't it? Consider uh, two scenarios of packing to get ready to go or, or getting ready to leave. Uh, one kind of holiday packing. What's it like for you when you're packing for holidays? Uh, I tend to be down the uh, trying not to leave anything at home that I might want kind of end. But maybe you're down the light packing end. Maybe there's a few knowing looks between husbands and wives at this point. Um, I'm down this end, you see, uh, you know, gather all the things that I could possibly need or want, you know. I don't want to get on holidays and then be like, well, I wish I'd have brought that or whatever. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe this is like, look at that. Maybe this is like the ideal kind of car. He's done well, I think, you know, um, he or she, um, whoever is the, the gatherer. The more time I have to pack, you see, um, the more I think I'll be able to use on holidays as well. Uh, the more things I think I want to bring. That's part of the reason why I'm happy about uh, the IMAX that we've got. We've got a Hyundai IMAX. Um, it's got a fair bit of space, so much space in the boot that you can put the pram in without even putting it down. Um, that's pretty good. We do have five children, of course, so I think we'll be needing a trailer soon. There we go. Anyone got a second-hand trailer? Um, when you're packing for holidays, you've got time to think about what you want, and so there's lots of things that you gather, isn't it? But if you're getting out of the house in an emergency, on the other hand, it's a very different story. Maybe it's, I heard on the news this morning about the floods uh, in northeastern USA. Uh, 250 people evacuated from 150 houses in 24 hours um, with the floods that were going on. Uh, or maybe not so much floods uh, in the hills around here, but uh, bushfire. When you see the smoke, when you see the fire licking at the back steps, when the fire is going to cut the road off, what are you going to take with you? Your wife, your husband, your family, your children, your maybe the fire file of stuff that you've put away just for this case, that one thing that you can grab, your when you've got time and you're packing for holidays, and certainly you're not going to get the family in the car first and then sort of start packing other things, but that's what you're going for in an emergency, isn't it? 
people. Let's get out of here. And that urgency, that, that timing affects how our priorities are focused, changes the way that we see things, help us to see what really matters. Timing affects what we treasure. Now, there's two main uh, things this morning that we're going to be looking at and see in these parables as we go through them today, that uh, there's timing and the treasure, the, the timing of the kingdom, kingdom timing, uh, and the treasure of the kingdom. And as we look at these, uh, hopefully by the end, you'll see how these two themes really kind of fit together as well. Uh, let's have a look at the first one, the parable of the weeds, as we think about kingdom timing, parable of the weeds and the wheat. Verses, verse 24. Verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. Verse 26. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. What's going on here? What's this, this parable about? Well, we'll start briefly with the context that Jesus is speaking into. It's a bit about expectation, you see. For at this time, uh, God's people knew, Israel knew that the future, uh, what was coming, was bound up with the kingdom of God. You know, that's the significant thing that's happening on, on the radar. Uh, Matthew often calls it, or we see it in Matthew's gospel, as the kingdom of heaven. You see, that is God ruling, that's a crown, uh, with his people uh, and in the place that he puts them, his blessing. Uh, the land, kind of living in his blessing in the land under his rule, uh, without kind of opposition around. Now, that's clearly not uh, what state Israel is in at this time. The rule, the Romans are ruling over them. And so God's king, the Messiah, he's the one who all their hopes are bound up with. He's going to come and fix all up, fix up the mess, get rid of the Romans. That's a, a bit of a picture from Psalm 2. If you've never read Psalm 2, I've kind of noted it down on the outline as something to look at. Psalm 2, you might want to look at that later. But this is the psalm of the king. It's quite a famous psalm. Uh, the rulers of the earth gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one, saying, oh, let's throw off their chains, let's break their shackles. But it's laughable to oppose God. Here comes the Messiah, God says, and he comes dashing them like pottery as God makes the nations a footstool for his feet. Opposition to this king is the picture, the very definition of folly and stupidity. Anyone against him will be overthrown, destroyed. When this king comes, it's the curtain call for all who oppose him. That's what the people were expecting, a king. Based on these promises and other promises from the Old Testament, uh, God's people looked off into the future. They, they looked and they hoped, because they were under all kinds of oppression, they looked and they hoped about the future coming of this kingdom. I think it was a bit maybe like this. You kind of you imagine they're standing here and they're looking off into the distance and they can see a train coming. There's a train coming. It's not here yet. But, you know, like, uh, say, the, the trains that come into Richmond Station down there, you can kind of see them coming in. They come in nice and slowly, so it does take a time to get there. It's good that they come in slowly, except for when the brakes fail. And, um, but they come in slowly, and then when the train gets there, it's there, isn't it? The train is here. The train wasn't here. Now it's here. Simple. 
That's kind of how it seemed, the kingdom coming. But as Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven in these parables, he says, in a sense, you're not, that's not quite right. The kingdom will surely come, but you haven't quite got the timing of the kingdom. That's the, what's the point here in the parable of the wheat and the weeds? Well, the wheat and the weeds are growing in the field together, aren't they? At the same time, until harvest. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is really here with me, but it's still to come. There's a delay. Jesus' rule is coming into the lives of people as they receive him as their king, as they trust him. And and the blessing of Jesus, the blessing of the kingdom is coming with him, with with healing and wholeness and relational relationship with God again. Release from oppression when you come under his rule. The kingdom is here now, Jesus says, but also still to come. Here now and still to come. It's here now in people's lives. But there's people still opposing Jesus. Some people are a bit like, meh, kingdom of God, Jesus, oh well. But that doesn't change the fact that God's kingdom really is here and really is at work, Jesus is saying. Still, what about those who continue to reject Jesus? You know, the Psalm 2, the, the, those who oppose Jesus, who are dashed to pottery, dashed like pottery, what's, what's going on there? When does that happen? Because if God, you know, Jesus really is the king and it doesn't matter whether you reject him or not, well then what's the point? Well, notice in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the wheat and the weeds are allowed to grow up together. I'm not much of a gardener, but as soon as I see weeds in the ground, I tend to try and do it instantly, otherwise I'll never pull them out. Um, but the owner of the vineyard here has a different approach. He doesn't want to pull up the wheat with the weeds. Maybe the kind of weed that was in there uh, was quite similar to wheat and you might accidentally pull the wrong thing up. Let's see what he says. He says, the wheat and the weeds are allowed to grow alongside each other, but he says this, he says, don't pull up the weeds yet. Verse 30, let both grow, let both grow until harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Don't pull up the weeds yet, he says. The time for the weeds is extended but not forever. The time, the the end will come for them but not until harvest, not until verse 39, the end of the age. So, for Israel kind of looking forward, they were looking forward and seeing kind of the train coming off in a distance, thinking, hey, it's it's like a passenger train. Uh, we don't get these on our line. This is the kind of train that we used to get on the Emu Plains line when I used to live in Emu Plains, uh, the, the intercity trains. And they'd come down uh, and when the, the train would be coming, but when it got to the station, it was there. You'd get on, simple. But maybe it's actually more like a freight train. A freight train where you see the freight train off in the distance and it looks just the same, doesn't it? It looks just like that. 
But when the freight train arrives, when that engine finally comes to you, you realise, well, wait a second, there's a whole lot more to come. We used to live, in fact, uh, quite near the railway uh, in Emu Plains, uh, and we'd get freight trains coming down the line, and you'd hear the engine coming down the hill. We were kind of on the, on the not the incline, the opposite of that, the decline, um, and you'd hear the whir of the engines with the brakes and things coming down the hill, and then for some time afterwards you'd hear as, as, the, as the carriages and carriages and carriages and carriages followed that train. When that front engine comes, there's still a whole lot more to come. And that's what I think Jesus is saying here. He's saying the kingdom of God is here now, but it's still to come. Now, the, 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 uh, the caution kind of here that Jesus says as well is that don't be fooled. The end will still come, will certainly come. And that's part of the emphasis of the next two parables here in verses 31 onwards. Let's have a look at those, the, the mustard seed and the yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, verse 31, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants, it becomes a tree. Verse 33, he told them still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through, a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. In both parables here, there's something small that has a big effect. A mustard seed is quite small compared to other kind of vegetable seeds and things, but it grows bigger than many other of those plants and becomes a tree in the garden. Don't underestimate the kingdom, Jesus says, just because it looks small at this point, small at the start. The smallness of the seed doesn't rule out a big effect. In fact, just like that small seed grows or the, the, the small, relatively speaking, amount of yeast that goes into flour works through enough dough to feed a hundred people. So God's kingdom, though it has small beginnings, will certainly not fail to come to completion at the end. The end will surely come. Although things have certainly changed to some degree since then. Oops, there's the tree. Uh, There's things that are, we've seen how Jesus carries out uh, live, being, being the king, he, he walked that road willingly to the cross to die for his enemies, to rescue his enemies. But we still live in the same time, the time between planting and harvest. We still live in the time of limited time, the time of God's patience, when the wheat and the weeds grow together. But the question is, are we keeping the right time, setting our clocks by the right time? We, you know, we, we set our clocks by Australian Eastern Standard Time, AEST, um, or AEDST, I think is the Daylight Savings one. Um, but what about setting our clocks, if you're a Christian, setting your clock by JKCT? Jesus' Kingdom Coming Time. A clock that instead of counting up indefinitely, like our clocks do, you know, count, 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 okay, the next day, count, 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 the next day, the next month, the next year. Jesus' kingdom coming time is a clock that counts down. And a clock that counts down will eventually reach 
zero. I mean, some around might scoff like those in 2 Peter. 2 Peter 3, where is this coming, he promised? Everything continues as it has since the beginning. The sun rises and sets, the years come and go, and it seems like everything will just keep going on as it has been. Our society lives as if there's not going to be an end like that, not a, certainly not a judgment. But the date of the harvest is set. As people plant, so they know harvest will come. The, 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 the days are being ticked off on the master's calendar as we approach harvest time. So do you live with the end on the radar? I think many of us might say, yes, I, I know the end is coming, but still in our thoughts and our attitudes and our actions, we can live as if that time of judgment, look, is just so far off that I'll get ready later. You know, I've got time now. Sure, Judge God's, God's judgment is coming, but it's not going to come in my lifetime. You know, I've got plenty of time. And so we can live here as if here effectively is our permanent home, where we belong. If you're one of Jesus' followers, do you really believe that this place is not your permanent home, this broken world? If you believe it, do you live like it? For some of us or others, some the end, the end might seem closer than others. But we do, wherever you stand, we do still live now in the time of God's patience. Whether you're young or old, younger or older. The question that we all still need to answer is do you know what is going to happen for you at the end? Do you know what is coming at the harvest, at the end of the age, at the judgment? Or are you still a bit unsure, hoping you've done enough, hoping Jesus will accept you, thinking that you'll be all right? Now's the time to work that out. Don't wait until five minutes after the end to be sure. Now's the time of God's patience. And if you don't know that relationship with Jesus yet, then please come and, and draw near. There's no middle ground, I think, is one of the other things we see in these parables. There's the wheat and there's the weeds. There's the good fish in the, in the parable of the net and the bad fish. It's one or the other. This is how it will be at the end of the age, Jesus says. And Jesus, in the rest of his ministry, actually shows us that we can have confidence, certainty about what is going to come at the end now. We can have that certainty now. Not because we can see that we're good enough, but because he, as the judge, as the one in charge, has saved us completely. We're joined up with him. It's not by simply doing more or trying harder that we can have confidence. Rather, as we realise again and again, we know we can't do it ourselves and we need Jesus all the more.
Now, we've been talking about kingdom timing and, and how the timing focuses us. Let's uh, look a little bit more briefly at kingdom treasure. You see, those parables uh, pick up on the timing of how God's kingdom comes and, and how it will still come. Here, the focus in the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl, they focus a bit more in on the value of the kingdom, that God's kingdom is worth treasuring. Verse 44 uh, in your Bibles, if you've got it there. Chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. Here Jesus highlights the value of receiving him as king, entering into his kingdom. Jesus actually calls it a great treasure, something our heart deeply desires. Now, it's, notice it's merely not just a treasure, kind of one among many. You know, the trader doesn't walk in to, the, the pearl trader doesn't walk into a, a shop and see a whole bunch of different valuable pearls and, and kind of just chooses to pick one. No, no, no. This pearl, this fine pearl, is a pearl worth greater than any other, worth far beyond all of the others that he would have found. And he gives up everything else only, if only to gain this one treasure. Sounds like something that Paul kind of writes about in terms of gaining Christ as opposed to everything else. But notice also how the man, he goes and sells, the man who uh, buys the field, he goes and sells all that he's had, all that he had. And, and what's his attitude there? Have, have a quick look, verse 44, 44. What's his attitude as he does that? It's joy, isn't it? Joy. Why is, he, why is he joyful, you might think? He's sold everything and he's just got a field. But it's a field with a great treasure. And so he's giving up all of these other things with joy because the treasure that he's gaining is worth it by far. What exactly is the treasure of the kingdom here? What's, kind of, what's on view? Well, I think uh, I'm a bit of a fan of Colin, Colin Buchanan. We sang a Colin Buchanan song earlier, actually. Uh, and I think he, there's one of the songs that he puts this in, which is nice and simple, a memorable way. He says, the greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. That's right. Thank you. Peace with God. It's the only treasure that will never fade. Even death can't take it away. Whoa. It's, it's relationship with God that is no longer broken. That is no longer on the basis of what I deserve, but on the basis of what Jesus has done. It's relationship with others that I can then not stand on trying to get my rights and, and kind of we're all relating each other at, at distant, but we can treat one another with grace and forgiveness because we've been forgiven. It's the, the end of conflict and strife in its fullness to come when Jesus comes back, but beginning now. And it's being fully known and loved by him. 
Peace with God really is the greatest treasure in the whole wide world. If you're not one of Jesus' followers at the moment, then draw near, please. If you don't know this peace, draw near, ask questions as I talked about last week. Seek understanding. Find relationship with Jesus. It's definitely worth it. It's the greatest treasure. But if you are a subject of the kingdom, then I think this is probably already something that you know, something that you've seen the value of, something that you, that you want to hold on to. But I think also we can be tempted away from it, away from holding on to this treasure, tempted to value it less or prioritise other things, which in the end are only temporary. Time still feels far off, we might say. I've got, I've got time for this, I've got time for that. Others are maybe gathering things or doing things that, and I don't want to be left out while I'm waiting, that is. It's interesting, the irony there. I don't want to be left out while I'm waiting, but sometimes actually the fear of missing out on something while we're waiting can then lead to missing out on the kingdom or the joys of the kingdom now. There's so many great joys in living under Jesus' rule now. Sure, there's suffering and, and, and that's part of living for him. But there's so many great joys that we want to hold on to them now and share in them now. Don't let the fact that timing of the kingdom feels far off stop you from taking those things up. Are you investing in heavenly treasure? Treasure that will last. Your life transformed. Others' lives transformed through you by Jesus in his glory. The time is limited, so don't wait till the end and then wish you'd lived differently. Now, I've been here for the last uh, year and a half or so at this church, uh, involved here, and, and can I say, I've been really encouraged as I've seen people who are using their earthly treasures, their, their, the time, the talents, the, the treasures that God has given them to invest in heavenly treasures and it's been a great joy. So as you're doing this, I encourage you, keep doing it. Keep giving the time that you have, your skills, your money for the kingdom of heaven, for lives transformed and others' lives transformed through you, through Jesus. But if you don't know that joy yet, then the, the, the joy of that treasure swap, then come and talk to someone who does and see how you can be part of it. You see, in the end, this, this, these parables here, I think, parables that, that highlight the treasure, are not just about how much to treasure the kingdom, but it but it's actually also points to how to receive the kingdom. You see, you, you can't be part of Jesus' kingdom if you keep Jesus at arm's length. But the way that you receive the kingdom is by throwing your lot in with Jesus. It's a bit like the hokey pokey, uh, although a little bit different. You see, you put your whole self in, but you leave nothing out. You put your whole self in and you shake it all about. 
And unlike the normal hokey pokey, the Jesus hokey pokey will turn your life around because he's what it's all about. And I'm not that creative, it's Colin as well. It's a great CD, grab that one. But seriously, have you thrown your lot in with Jesus? Or are you trying to straddle two worlds? Because in the end, as the line that I've got there at the bottom, the second last line there on the outline, in the end you will either treasure the kingdom now or you will, in the end, lose all the things that you treasure. You treasure the kingdom now or you will lose all the things that you treasure. But that's a good, that's a good deal to treasure the kingdom now because as Jim Elliot is kind of quoted as saying and I think he gets it from Jesus really, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's keep treasuring the kingdom together. Amen.